I love uh, reading the, the words of Genesis, such as we read in our call to worship this morning, wondering about the poetic way in the creation story, how God breathed into nothingness, into darkness, into the void, and at his word, matter took on shape. The creation was begun. It starts, but behind and before and going before us always uh, exists something more. The spirit hovered, we're told, at the beginning of creation. It had a purpose in the creation out of nothingness uh, that was before. I don't know if some of you are into to physics, but it's interesting to think about how modern uh, physicists are dealing with matter, and I'm, I'm sure you followed some of that story. Uh, but in the smallest particle of the atom uh, are, are what's called quarks, and they are able now to examine the smallest particle of matter. And just the opposite of the Genesis story with its poetic beauty uh, and the purpose is now this examination of the particles of existence altogether in, the, in their smallest, most discernible, with uh, certain kinds of microscopes, uh, ability to look into the atom and, and see all these different small, small particles uh, called quarks, and there's about six of them. And now there are physicists, <laughs> physicists are able to, uh, to look into what's called the uppermost quark. There's different names for these six quarks. But they're able to see into the smallest matters of creation that were there at the very beginning of time. Uh, and what they call uh, a vibrating cord. Uh, but that's a layman's term for it. But there's a huge mathematical formula for this very uh, the smallest particle of, of existence that can be seen. But it's, uh, for laymen, a vibrating cord. Now, what, what is a vibrating chord when you think about it very much but a sound or a voice? And so the poets at, who wrote the, the wonderful story of creation that we have uh, described the creation coming out of nothingness, out of the word, the vibrating chord of God. I was thinking about that as I uh, thought about the story of uh, Jesus' baptism, and I appreciate how Wayne said, you know, Bob, I think he got the sequence wrong, because uh, he was talking about the story in Acts, referring to the baptism of John the baptizer occurring when Jesus was baptized uh, at the Jordan by John. And he said, now you're coming back and dealing with uh, baptism itself, and uh, don't you think you got this wrong? Don't you have the sequence wrong? And he's right. But the point I want to talk about this morning is uh, what occurred at Jesus' baptism, how it's different from John's baptism, it's what uh, is brought up in the book of Acts. So there's two ways of interpreting baptism. Uh, one has to do with the baptism for the remission of our sins. This is what John was doing. I was calling people to repentance, to return uh, to God, to be baptized as a sign of uh, their repentance and their decision to live a life with integrity. But the baptism of Jesus himself is what I want to talk about uh, just a bit this morning. Uh, because we encounter in Jesus' baptism our, our own understanding of what God is doing in our life, what the difference is between uh, the world of creation by the spoken word and what God is doing uh, within our being. And so we, we focus on Jesus coming to be baptized by John. And here is John standing at uh, the edge of the civilized world. Uh, they're literally between two worlds here. 
If you think about it, when the Israelites had crossed the, uh, the desert, the barren desert, escaping from uh, the imprisonment in Egypt, and remember the story of the blood of the lamb that was put on the doorpost lintels, and they crossed the barren desert for 40 years, we're told, wandering in the desert until they finally came to the boundary, uh, uh, the Jordan River. And then they entered into the Holy Land, the land of promise. And so we, we see the, the boundaries of the promise uh, that binds us as God's people together and the promise and the experience of our own baptisms. And we're called to think about them today. So what occurred when Jesus is uh, seen, it actually occurred in the Gospel of Luke. John uses uh, the words, he saw, remember, as he saw Jesus coming down to be baptized, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's not in the Markham text today. But already John realized that in Jesus, something was very different from all of the others who were to be baptized and were coming for the baptism for the remission of sin. But as Jesus comes to be baptized by John, he realizes this is the one promised by the prophets who would come to usher in a new era, a new time, a new way of looking at the creation. I think of, of the prophets. Uh, so long they've been talking about uh, the dream being the place where uh, God inspires us to move toward the new creation. You know, this, this weekend is uh, Martin Luther King's uh, birthday rem uh, remembrance tomorrow. And I was thinking about the vision he had of the world that is yet to be born, uh, the creation into which we're called to participate, and to think about the dream coming true. Here is John the baptizer, standing waist-deep in the Jordan River, seeing in Jesus the one who is transforming our vision of what is possible. And he said, I, I shouldn't be baptized by you. You should be baptizing me. You're the one I've been talking about, the one who is, is coming uh, from our, our own community to be baptized. And then something strange happens. You know, if we were there that day at the Jordan and witnessed what occurred, it certainly would have been stunning. And it's interesting how Mark interprets what occurred next. He said the heavens were torn open, meaning from someplace else the words come and they say, this is my beloved son, listen to him. So if we had been there that day, we would have experienced, Mark is clear, to say the heavens were torn open. Uh, from beyond comes this uh, empowerment to uh, experience the, the, the person of Jesus as the one who is ushering in a whole new way of thinking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is beginning in the ministry of Jesus' baptism. So we stand here in this moment just between the old world as it was, here is John the baptizer, baptizing for the remission of sin, and here comes Jesus to be baptized by John. But there's a distinct difference here. In this moment, the heavens are torn, and a voice speaks, and then a dove descends upon Jesus himself. So if we had been there at that moment, uh, we would have experienced something very different. And John was certainly aware that Jesus was the one that the prophets had been looking forward to. So all of creation is changing at this particular moment in which Jesus comes to be baptized by John. I was uh, 
I might have shared this story before. One of my favorite authors is Scott Peck. I don't know, somebody heard of Scott Peck? Road Best Traveled, uh, Scott Peck. Fine Christian psychologist. But he talks, I believe it was in his book, A World Waiting to be Born, though I didn't confirm that. He talks about these two babies being uh, in their mother's stomach and yet to be born. And they're having this hypothetical, I assume it was hypothetical discussion, about what's going to occur next. And here on the one hand, you have one who says, this is all there is. Right, we're comfortable here. There's not too much noise, no external uh, issues we have to deal with. This is what life is all about. But the second baby is saying something very different. That baby is saying, no, I know what we understand here. I know what we feel here. I know what we interpret here, but I believe there's something coming that is a new world that we have no way of understanding or experiencing. Well, how can you have that kind of thought? It's got to come from someplace else. Got into thinking about these two worlds, the physical world and in which we live and the possibilities of the dream that inspires us to reach for something more that is within us. I don't know if you've... Uh, paid any attention to some of the warm-ups for the Olympics coming up. I, I got to watch uh, one of the figure skaters, it's a woman, uh, figure skaters talking about the routine that she's got to go through again and again and again to move towards the dream that she has of winning a gold medal. Uh, something within us calls us beyond ourselves to think about the possibilities and our dreams that inspire us. Now, John was among those prophets who said, he is coming. He will transform the world in the way we think. A man uh, dressed in camel's hair, we're told, and a leather belt, eating uh, locusts and wild honey, calling us to repent and believe in the presence of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when we read about the Acts of the Apostles, we see there was an issue with baptism here. And the issue had to do with Apollos and those whom he baptized at Corinth. And uh, Jesus, or Paul, rather, is having a discussion with those who were baptized by John, and uh, they were evidently not showing any fruits of the Spirit. And so he asked them, well, who baptized you and why? And he said he was baptized by Apollos. And Apollos did not baptize with the promised coming of the Holy Spirit. They were not baptized in Jesus' baptism. They were baptized with John's baptism, the, the baptism for the remission of sin. And so then Paul baptizes them in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. So this, the sense of baptism and how two worlds come together and the ones we were beforehand and what we're called to be uh, as the, the witnesses to the Holy Spirit, God present with us in this moment. And so we're told that when uh, those were baptized, who this, uh, Paul says, the difference is they're filled with the Spirit of God and they use special languages, glossolalia, they spoke in tongues, they were gifted by the presence of God in their life. Now, when you think about it, those 11 ordinary men, where do they get that power from? 
to believe they could change the world to presenting Jesus Christ as uh, the very Son of God. But those 11 people changed the entire world in the way they thought and acted and believed. John stands there at the edge of the civilized world. You know, the, uh, the season of Epiphany is where we find ourselves right now. Uh, the banners are green and they call us uh, to remember this special gift-giving uh, expression of Epiphany. The Epiphany being the revealing light that brought the, the Meiji to the Christ child. But the gifts that we have are the gifts of light and hope and the power of the Holy Spirit to change our world. I was uh, one of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. I'm sure you've heard of him. Many of you have heard of him at any rate. and wrote a number of books uh, that all contained his own philosophical way of looking at what I call the Holy Spirit. And the way C.S. Lewis uh, believed was that the spirit world was more heavy than the material world. That is, he actually believed that the spirit world was more real, more authentic than the physical world in which we live. So he, we have this, this sense of there being a spirit world that breaks into our world from someplace else. The heavens are torn apart, we're told. There exists a spirit world and a physical world. So C.S. Lewis uh, writes in, in the form of allegory so that we can focus on the light and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Though he doesn't always use that kind of language. And he talks, one of my favorite books, and I've shared this before with, uh, with you, he talks about, in the great divorce, this opening a vision of a world in which a lot of small people live. It's very dark. There's great space between people, and if a neighbor moves in too close to you, uh, the people there pack up their belongings, and they move far away so that they can be away from any, uh, any person of light or any influence of light that they can encounter. Well, as the, the story of the vastness of this place, which we come to understand is hell, uh, the vastness and the darkness of this place is filled with people who are insubstantial beings. See, what in Lewis's thought, uh, you have the, the substantive world being less heavy than the spiritual world. The spiritual world, the real world, that's where some of the, uh, the expression of maybe we uh, human beings are spiritual beings having a brief human experience rather than physical beings having an occasional spiritual experience. Now think about that. That's the way Lewis uh, expressed it, that the real world was a spiritual world and that the physical world is lighter than the, than the spiritual world. So as we, we enter this space where there's darkness, uh, that people move away from each other. You, you also get an opportunity through a bus that goes from hell to a, a place in between worlds uh, once in a while. And you get to meet the people on this particular bus. And I think some of you know some of these people. Uh, they're kind of small-minded. Um, bigoted is some of the language we use today. And they, they get on the bus, not sure what the future holds, and you get a chance to, to, to meet these, these insubstantial beings. And they don't want to go to the next place. They don't believe in it. They don't want to be disturbed. They don't want to change the way uh, they look at the world. 
but they finally arrive at this intermediate place. And they, when they get off the bus, this place is so different that even the blades of grass hurt their feet. So, and the, the light is so bright that they have to cover their eyes. So you have a sense of these beings as being insubstantial or encountering the world itself. As you go ahead and, and follow the story, you find that there are angels coming from the light beyond the mountains who come to minister to each of these beings who are getting off the bus and wondering, what next? I've shared before my favorite one was the grump. I was ministered to by his, his former wife who's passed and gone on to the kingdom. But I also thought of the theology professor who was encountered by an angel. And here's this theology professor uh, looking at this experience, and he can't, get, can't wait to get back to hell to tell his colleagues there about the possibility of this place that he finds himself in. So he's more concerned about the adulation and the ability to impress his colleagues with his wisdom and insight about the possibility of the kingdom of God rather than living it. And so we're left with the challenge of living in this world that is material but being blessed by the gift of the Spirit of God himself. When the Meiji came to Jerusalem uh, to give their gift, Bethlehem, excuse me, to give their, their gift to the Christ child, the gift was really, if you think about it, not so much the gold and the frankincense and myrrh, but the light of the promise that led the wise men to discover the Christ child. So as we, we think about our world today, we do live in between two worlds, between the physical world of anxieties and fears and material things that overwhelm us and the light of God's promise that comes to us in Christ. And we get to choose which world we're going to live in. I, I think it's a great thing as we uh, come to this weekend and, and think about certain prophets who've always challenged us to, to be inspired by our dreams and the possibilities of things that come. And I think of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, remember? How could it be that uh, his dream could change much of anything except it has? What if we believed in the spirit world and our baptism by the Holy Spirit, not only for the repentance of our sin, but because of what we believe is possible within us? I had a, a friend, uh, Art Peterson was his name. He always wore this hat, this cap. It, it said, it's possible. And he lived his life following that philosophy, and he wore it on his hat, sort of like make, make America great again. He, he wore this on his hat. It's possible. I, I wonder what kind of saying we would have on a hat that described our personality uh, if we wore that hat with what we believe. I think of people who make a difference in our world because they believe in the dreams, they believe in the possibility of transformation by the Holy Spirit, the power that we have from God, the gift of God for the people of God. Pray with me, please. Loving God, as we enter this new year, we're going to be filled with challenges to be our lesser selves, 
to give in to discouragement and doubt and fears and warnings of things that might be. Fill us, rather, with the light of Christ. Fill us with his coming into our world and let us be alive to his spirit, making a difference in our world and the way we live and move and have our being. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And could we receive the offering?